episode 132 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. What's up, everybody? It's Jerome Stanislaus, a.k.a. Tuskegee Bloodline, your favorite skydiving pilot. <laughs> AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today, I am talking with one of my good friends, Jerome Stanislaus. He is also known as Tuskegee Bloodline on Instagram, where he is a skydiving pilot. He's in the military. He's been in two branches of the military. He's a private pilot and he flies kids for fun. He has his own GoFundMe that you need to check out if you get the chance, but he just does so much and he's giving back and and just his future goals and the things that Jerome wants to do. And just his story is pretty incredible. So I was extremely excited to have Jerome on. Uh, Fun fact, we actually recorded a whole nother episode, probably like a year or even two years ago, but we had uh, to ax it for some things coming up and uh, we had to re-record it and it took us that long to get it get it right. So Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I have a big announcement. Today's Tuesday when you're listening to this tomorrow, I'm releasing a YouTube video. It is not your standard YouTube video where I'm just sitting in front of the camera. I actually went out and flew around Chicago and filmed a little bit of it. So please watch that. Please share that with your friends. We are so close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Got to build that up. So please share that. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Patreon or our website, pilotthepilothq.com. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram at pilot. Aviation, I hope you all are having a great day. And without any further ado, here's Jerome Stanislaus. Jerome, what's going on, man? Welcome. Well, welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. <laughs> what's up, man? Yeah, it's good to be back, you know. This will be the first one that is released. <laughs> Some other things prevented the other one from being released. But now here we are sharing your story, talking about you. Uh, I'm excited to to dig in. Um, I guess the first question would be standard for everyone. Why aviation? Kind of what was your original inspiration for you wanting to either uh, get involved with aviation, become a pilot, skydive, kind of everything all in one? What was your inspiration behind that? Um, you know what? I wish I could tell you, man. Um, I don't even remember how I got into aviation. Um, anybody who knows me and has asked me this before, like <clears throat> my... Uh, it's, I really started when I was like three years old, you know, like, you know, you hear that all the time. Oh, since I was a little kid, three years old. But, um, yeah, that was like the legit truth for me. Uh, I don't even remember. I just know that because of stories that my parents would tell me, you know, so I can't even really give you how it's just, it was just in me. I guess I was born that way. That's awesome. So you're just ready to go. Like you, uh, you pretty much earliest memories are just kind of you liking aviation and not knowing why. Yeah, you know, just like, oh my gosh, there's a plane in the sky, you know. Well, I guess when what when would you say your your family, friends, or whoever was around you, when do you, when would they kind of put like a date on when you first kind of were attracted to aviation? Was it like you said, you're three, just looking up, and you're like, oh, cool airplanes, or did it kind of come over a little bit of time? No, I think um, from what my dad said, uh, we were on a family vacation, and. Uh, yeah, as the the plane was on the runway and, you know, on the takeoff roll, when it transitioned from that three-point to two-point axis, uh, I he said that in that moment, I said, wow, this is magnificent, you know? And everyone in the general area kind of turned around to see, like, who's this three-year-old kid using, I mean, this little kid using the word magnificent, you know? So that was about, you know, when he really noticed you know, that I really liked it. Hey man, you said magnificent at three. <laughs> I don't think I said magnificent till like 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, my dad, you know, he likes words, you know, and, uh, he would always, you know, stress like vocabulary and, and things like that. So every once in a while I, uh, you know, I get like the word of the day from my dictionary app on my phone. And when I see a cool word, like I'll throw it up in my story in case anyone wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to learn a new word for the day. That's cool, man. That's awesome. So what was it? So obviously you took that plane ride during the plane. You said magnificent. Everyone stared at you and knew that this kid probably wanted to do aviation kind of. How did this uh, this foster or how did it go from just kind of a love for it and kind of idea of aviation's cool to I can do this. I want to do this. Um, yes, that's just how it just naturally developed, you know. Um, you know, as a kid, people ask you, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
you know, uh, you know, other kids say police officer, they'll say, you know, whatever they want, you know, and I, and I, I always said I wanted to be a pilot. I think there was like a brief stint, you know, where I said a veterinarian because I really love animals too. But, um, once again, like just being a pilot just, just took over, you know, but even with all of that, <clears throat> you know, um, wanting to do it, all the encouragement in the world from my family, my parents, my, you know, uncles, aunts, parents, cousins, like it didn't matter. You know, everyone like supported me and just, you know, believed in me. And I still honestly didn't really think that it was something that was legitimately possible for me. So why do you say you that? Know, what I, was it about it that you didn't think was possible? Um, uh, two things. One, and one of the things, the most discouraging thing my parents ever told me was growing up, uh, you know, to be a pilot, you had to be really good at math, you know, and I sucked at math, you know, during my formative years. <laughs> and I just, I, one, just thought I wasn't smart enough. It turns out I was just lazy. And, um, <laughs> two. Same, to be honest, and, before you got on the two. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, anyone who thinks they're bad at math, just take a look at yourself and ask yourself, are you really trying? If you really are trying and giving it everything you have, then maybe you no know, math isn't for you. But I really was just lazy and didn't study, didn't practice. And I just thought I was going to get it like I got most things wasn't the case. And I didn't figure that out until college. But um, but yeah, so the first thing was I just thought I was really bad at math. And I thought that, you know, in order to be a pilot, I had to be really good at math. And the second thing is I had actually never seen a black pilot. You know, I didn't think that um, that was like something that kids from Brooklyn, New York grew up to do. Um, I thought it was like for the kids and like the suburbs and, you know, they grew up to be pilots. And, you know, I had to get like a city job or something like that. So when did you yeah. see your black pilot? Do you remember? When did you see your first black pilot? Do you remember? Yes, I remember the, you know, vividly. Uh, it was 2015, uh, actually, no, the beginning of 2016, um, I was on a flight to Trinidad for carnival and, um, I was in the, I was in the very first row in the, you know, in first class, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I was in the very first row and, uh, he was just, you know, the pilot was just standing at the door, you know, um, to the cockpit. And I had an opportunity to, you know, introduce myself because I had just, you know, completed my first semester in the pilot program at at Farmdale State University, Farmdale State College. And um, yeah, so I just told him, hey, I'm a pilot student, you know, it's my major, whatever, whatever, you know, and it's pretty cool. You're the first black pilot I ever met. <laughs> and we're, we're, you know, we're still friends to this day. He's always been like a... Um, you know, huge inspiration and, you know, just like motivation. He talks a lot of crap to me, but, you know, I know it's all, I know it's all love, you know? Yeah, I, I know it's all love. What airline did he fly for? Uh, Caribbean Airlines. Oh, cool. He is named Andre. <laughs> I'll have to check him out on Instagram. You'll have to message me his Instagram later. I'll tell him congrats on uh, inspiring the, the future. Yeah, his, his Instagram is pretty dry, you know what I mean? But <laughs> not worth the follow. <laughs> <laughs> not worth the follow, but That's hilarious. he's cool though. Well, you bring up a, a good point. So, uh, like, obviously, you look at aviation, it's what, like, nine? I mean, I don't know the actual statistics, but it's like 90% white male, 95% white male. So, growing up, someone of color, a, a woman, or anyone that's just that doesn't fit in the white male category, it could come across as like, well, I don't think I could do it because you don't see anyone that looks like you that can do it. So how do you think that we can get more diversity here? Like, obviously you need to see more, more African-Americans, whether you come from whoever you come from Spanish or any kind of diversity, you need more exposure to those kind of pilots. How do we do that? I know that you're doing that through Instagram with everything you're doing now, but it, it, I feel like it's really hard to start that, you know, it's hard to start that without the exposure being there. So what do you think we need to do to get more? Um, what I really think, um, as far as like the beginning stages, it's just like people who have already made it, you know, um, or people who are doing it, uh, take it upon themselves to, you know, just to give back, you know, just to, you know, think about, you know, where they came from and, you know, their struggles and try to prevent that from, you know, pre prevent that from happening to other people. You know, like I mentioned before, I had support. You know, I had people who encouraged me, 
And I still didn't think it was possible. You know, like most of the time people have support. They have encouragement like, yeah, I can do it. You know, like I had all the support in the world and I still didn't think it was possible. So um, that puts, you know, puts in perspective for the people who just either just don't know and the people who want to do it, but they, you know, they don't have that support. They have, they'll have like negative people that are close to them saying, have you ever met a pilot before? Do you know anyone, you know, who's a pilot or, you know, there are people, the famous, you know, black people don't do those things, you know, and I get that with the skydiving a lot, like black people don't do that, you know? So, um, yeah, so you, uh, you just got to get people to, you know, just want to give back and also people, you know, that are not in, uh, the minority group to be more welcoming and, and yeah, then that'll be a good way to, to get it done. How have you found the, say, like the, the white male population of aviation? Has it been overall pretty good? Or do you think there is a, a good amount that aren't very welcoming? Um, In my experience, it's been pretty good, Um, luckily, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I've definitely had situations where, you know, it's, you know, it's just expected, you know, um, prejudgments, but, um, but yeah, in my experience, I've, I've been fortunate to have, a, you know, pretty good encounters with people. That's good. I hate that. That's like what you say as expected. Like, I really hope we can find it. And I think Instagram and what you're doing and what other people are doing now and, and bringing awareness and making it seem like, like more people can come in here and be more welcoming. Like you said, I think that we are, so we're starting that. I think that it's going to be more diverse in the next five, 10, 15 years. And it's going to be, it's going to be good for the industry for sure. Yeah. And, and especially with like social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, I get messages all the time of people saying like, wow, like I never thought about flying until I saw your page or, you know, like, Oh, I, I always thought about it, but you know, I never really did anything about it, but you know, you make me actually want to like pursue it now. So, um, social media, like I love it. Um, I used to give it a lot of attention, you know, but yeah, I kind of like scaled back on it a little bit, but, but yeah, social media is, is a great way, you know, to get like the message out there. Pretty much every pilot that I know that I'm friends with, that's like family now. I've met on, on social media. Same. I've created so many friends off social media, especially the aviation Instagram community. It's been crazy. Like I never even thought that'd be possible. I probably have more internet friends right now that I have real like in-person friends. Oh no, that's a fact. Yeah. That's, that's 100% like a fact. It's funny. So, they used to always yeah. tell us not to talk to strangers online and now all my friends are strangers. <laughs> <online>. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Uh, we're not in back in like the early two thousands. I don't know if you used to be on it, but Yahoo chats, you know, like no. that was like the, that was the like thing? AOL, me AOL messenger. Oh, I remember AIM, streams, so. Yeah. You know, and it's like ASL, <laughs> you know, MySpace came out at the top eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't really, I wasn't on MySpace too much, but yeah. <laughs> Show my age. <laughs> but uh no it's uh you're right it, it is going to help i think it's definitely something that's necessary and and we're working on it i think that one good thing that one thing that we need to to, to help create as well is people message you they message me and they message a bunch of people saying they want to be a pilot we need to find or create some sort of source to send them to. I know there's professional pilots of tomorrow, but like get them involved with a mentor because it's not possible for me or you or anyone else to mentor all of these people that are messaging us other than every once in a while checking in and saying hi or answering a message back every once in a while. But we need to, to get them to the right people to make sure that they can, they can stay on them and make sure that they can keep pushing them and telling them over and over again, like, hey man, you can do this. You can be a pilot. We got to get you involved. You need to go to the airport and kind of get like a step-by-step -step basis for them to become a pilot. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great idea. But I also believe that, you know, people, especially like to be a pilot, it's, it's like a big boy program. You know, like if this is what you want to do, you know, you need to like go after it. You know, it's having a mentor. That's great. Like I completely believe in, in mentorship and but you can't have a mentor. You know, they point you in the right direction. They tell you what you need to do and then you don't do it and then wonder why, you know, you, you're not where you want to be. You know what I mean? So um, it's yeah, like you said, it's impossible to like 
basically be the mentor for for everyone. Um, what I tend to do is, you know, ask people where they're from because nine out of ten times um, they're not in a state or anywhere even close to me. So I tell them to, you know, just Google a flight school in their area. You know, Google a few flight schools in their area and check out all of them to see which one, you know, they like the most. You know, I give them like the average cost of, you know, flight lessons um, and, you know, just so they they have like some information, you know, and they have some questions that they, you know, that they should ask. And yeah, and just tell them to like feel out the environment if they like it to, you know, just make sure they're studying and and go about it. You bring up a good point because eventually you got to put on your big boy, big girl pants and you have to just go be a pilot. You know, you can get the inspiration from someone on Instagram. You can, you can kind of have that, that want to fly, but at some point you have to go fly. You have to go do it. You have to go try. You have to go and and go to the flight school and, and make the effort on your own. So you're right. A mentor can only do so much. And eventually you have to be the one that eventually makes that decision to actually go do it. Yeah, exactly. Because well, no one's going to study for you. No, not. Oh my gosh, no! They didn't study for us when we <laughs> wanted to help with math, did it? <laughs> not at all. Well, let's go back to your story a little bit. We kind of went off a little bit of a tangent, but you you yeah. you wanted to be a pilot, and you mentioned when you saw that that pilot that was bringing you to Carnival that you were already in school. So you did make the decision that you wanted to do this. You were you were already on your own track to do this, correct? Yeah, that's actually a pretty interesting story as well, and how I how I. You know, what made me choose that um, major because that was actually my sophomore year in college. I got out of the Marines in 2014 and I did my freshman year of school to study biology, to be a biology teacher. You know, Um, I've always had like this, you know, drive to, you know, mentor and whatever. And I just felt teaching was a really good way to do that. And so my favorite subject was biology. So I was like, boom, I'm going to go teach that. But but while I was a recruiter in the Marines, there were a lot of kids who like came in. They wanted to be pilots. And I would always send them to this, you know, school in New York that was really, you know, that was known for their pilot program. And after my first year in college, you know, I had a 4.0 average, you know, the the whole year, which was like the first time in my life I consistently had good grades. So, cause it was the first time in my life, like I tried consistently and, um, yeah. And after that first year, I was like, hold on, I still want to fly. I still want to be a pilot. I'm, I like biology, but I'm not feeling this program at all. Um, shit, I'm going to apply to this, to this flight school and, um, to this flight program. And it's crazy that even with a 4.0 average, I still didn't think I was going to get accepted. You know, that is crazy because I was such a mediocre, mediocre student my entire life that um, with a 4.0 average, I still didn't think I was going to get accepted. So that's so I was I was pretty excited that my hard work paid off. What did uh, when you say you were you didn't think you would expected you to send like high school transcripts in and stuff for them to look at or what did what did you think was going to keep you from going? Um, yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know. There was no reason. There was no reason because they they only needed, yeah, they only needed uh, my um, my freshman, my first year transcripts. You know, the twenty five credits I had or whatever credit amount of credits I had to transfer and. Yeah, I just I just thought I wasn't going to get in, and I did. That's awesome, man. That's really that must have been a pretty cool feeling to finally get in and like kind of prove to yourself. It sounded like it was just self doubt. You like you said, you had everyone that was telling you you could do it, uh, and everyone was wanting you to do it. And then it seems like you kind of uh, conquered that that fear of maybe not being able to get in, and you got in. And I bet that was a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Um, even like I said, I. Uh, um, there's a lot of things that I'm, you know, doubtful or afraid of, but I, I just do it anyway. You know, I just do it. You know, I, I try to uh, treat my fears like they're bullies. You know, it's either I'm going to stand up to the bully or I'm going to get punked by the bully and I'm not getting punked. So I'm going to just stand <laughs> up to it. I'm still getting punked by skydiving every single day. <laughs> never. Man, <laughs> you're not the only one, man. I'm trying to, you know what I realize is mostly women that are like, uh, more willing to do it, you know, like 
women are always like, yeah, I'll do it. And guys are like, nah, man, you can, you can hold that. You know, it's like, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but I might just sit from, I'll cheer you on the ground. I'll hold your phone. I'll hold your keys. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I'll be down here with some Gatorade when you guys get down. <laughs> my pants have, my pants have zippers in it. So I, you know, I take all that stuff with me. <laughs> That's what's up, man. So what, all right. So you are applying to school. You get into this aviation school. What was the name of the aviation school? I was Farmingdale State College, you know, yeah, Farmingdale State College in Long Island. Did you go there and see any of the Marines that you actually like recommended go there or did they notice you? Was it like that weird at all or did that not happen? Uh, no, no one was there. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't recognize anyone there because it was, it was still a few years later oh, okay. by the time I, I got out and actually, uh, and actually went there. That would have been weird, right? But like, oh, I'm out of the Marines nah, now, but you have fun. <laughs> no, nah, it would have been cool. It would have been pretty cool to see them there, you know. What was your experience like? What was, I guess, kind of the, actually the first question I asked, what was uh, kind of going into it your first day? Because there's self-doubts before, but going in, did you think that maybe you couldn't do it either while you were there? Did you keep on telling yourself you couldn't? Or were you getting ready to take down the bully and be like, I got this. I'm going to be a pilot. No, nah, I was pretty excited. I was pretty excited. Um, I was very excited. Like I, I couldn't believe I was there. You know, I'm sitting in the classroom and you can look out the window and they had some pretty nice planes and you can see the planes from the classroom. And I was like, wow, like I'm really here and I'm really going to do this. So that, it was a really good feeling. What was the goal going into it? Was it to become a professional pilot and maybe fly for, for United American or did you want to get your private and just fly for fun? No, that was actually the goal. That was the goal to, you know, go through the whole program and, um, yeah, you know, just be an airline pilot. But I actually didn't finish the professional pilot program. I did that one semester and then there was like an issue with the way like the GI Bill was paying for it. And, you know, to finish it through the school would have just made it twice as expensive. So I just, you know, switched to aviation management. And uh, I mean, airport management and just graduated with that degree instead and, you know, got my license out of, you know, part 61 school. Did you do it while you were in school as well? Or did you kind of just focus on school and then do flying afterwards? Yeah, I just focused on school and did flying afterwards. Was it hard kind of because you thought that dream was so close and then kind of had that pulled away from you a little bit with the GI Bill? Did that kind of make it hard on you or are you cool with just waiting a little bit? Uh, Yeah, I was pretty pissed. You know, I was pretty upset. And but I kind of like, I just make lemonade with the lemons, you know, and that was just the situation at the time. And, you know, I, I actually had given up on flying, you know, while I was in school, cause I just couldn't like pay for flight lessons and like be in school at the same time. So yeah, I just, I was, I was a little upset. So giving up on was, giving up on flying, what were you, uh, what were you thinking about doing after that? Were you just thinking about staying on the the management side or was it like giving up aviation in general? Um, no, it was never given enough in general. Um, it was like, I was just going to, you know, just do it. I mean, you know, just work and just get a job until I can like pay for my, pay for my flight lessons, you know, until I like actually had the money to like finish, you know, but, uh, I was doing like real estate while I was in college and I thought I was going to be like this real estate mogul and I was going to be able to buy like a Honda jet, <laughs> you know, That's hilarious. And, you can still, I still got faith in you, man. That's coming. Yeah. You know, but yeah. <laughs> I see it. I see it, man. This it's gonna happen. Yeah, just dream bigger than a Honda Jet. You can do better than a Honda Jet. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what would you suggest? Get you a Gulfstream, a Global, you know, a Latitude, something better than a Honda Jet. I mean, I was definitely looking at something I could like still fly myself. You know, oh, that you like go. a type rating for. Get you a PC twelve, yeah. man. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah, those are nice. I guess if you want to fly it yourself, that makes sense. Then Honda Jet will be all right. That or a Phenom. Okay, yeah, phenoms are nice too. Yeah, can't go wrong with the other one. So here you are. You are kind of uh, in this kind of gray zone. You're still in school. You're a real estate mogul in the in the making. You're getting ready to make your first million dollars to buy your Honda Jet. Um, what was your? It's it's hard because I remember when I was even in training and, and flying, and I still thought there was times where like, man, do I really want to do this? And then having all these obstacles to overcome over and over and over again. What was your mindset like? 
did you just want this goal so bad that nothing would would keep you from it? Or did you have to constantly tell yourself, was it constantly ups and downs, you know, on peaks and valleys uh, uh, in, in, your, in your career and going after this? Because it's hard, you know, when you keep getting told over and over again that like, you can't do it because of this. So the GI Bill is not going to pay this. Or now you got to wait this. You don't want the money for this, you know? what? How did you just keep getting over those? Um, it was definitely hills and valleys. I think more valleys than, um, than peaks, but yeah, it was just like in my mind, I just really just wanted to do this. You know, I just really wanted to. And like I said, there was a, there was a moment in time where I had like given up on like flying for the moment. And it was, I didn't even think about it anymore. It was just like, it was just going to happen when it happened, you know? And so I wasn't really like actively like working towards, you know, becoming a pilot anymore. And yeah, it was just this one Sunday I was like going to church and I started like seeing like all these like, I want to say like, like, like memories almost. Right. And um, it's like I'm in a podium, you know, there's all these like kids around me. I'm like getting recognized for uh, like doing all these great things in aviation, but it's just like these flashes. I'm like, I, like, why am I thinking about this? I haven't thought about flying in like two years, you know, two and a half years. I haven't even thought about flying. And like all these visions are just like in my head, like very like pronounced, you know? And it was like confusing the crap out of me. I get to church and it was a small church. Like it wasn't, it was like my, my best friend, his parents like ran it. His sister was like leading the choir or whatever. And I'm sitting, I just kind of like sneak in the back because I was late. And um, yeah, I'm just sitting there. I mean, standing there, my body's there, but, you know, my mind is not in church. Like I'm thinking about all this stuff that I have to do, like flying wise. And I mean, like all these things that are running through my head, but I don't have a pilot's license. And And I remember thinking to myself, well, I need to get a pilot's license if, you know, all of these things are going to come true. And like literally as I'm thinking these things, my friend, his sister, she just stops like singing and she says, she says my name, haven't seen her in like five years. And she just calls me to the front and like she just like prays over my life and like literally addresses everything that's in my head. Everything I was thinking about, like she literally addresses it. And I was like, it was when it was like, if you don't believe in God, that's fine. <laughs> but um, like that really um, like, I don't know what it did to me, but I left church that day and I went straight to the airport and I signed up for flight lessons. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but I was like, this just feels way too, you know, real for me to like, you know, not do it. And I just used every ounce of faith that I had. And I went to the airport literally that day. And That's crazy. It worked, it, it worked out. Like I did it. I had about three grand. Actually, no, I had a thousand dollars. No, yeah, I had like fifteen hundred dollars in, like, in my savings account. And I went, I used that. And then after I used that, and then as soon as that was up, and I was like, well, don't got any more money. Then my mom blessed me with like five thousand dollars. And then then I used all of that. And I was like, I needed just a little bit more. And uh yeah, my aunt, like she, she gave me two grand and I used that to like pay for my check ride in the last couple of flights that I needed. And I even paid off like my Best Buy credit card with like <laughs> with the rest of it, you know? So I had, so I had, I had extra. So I went from like not knowing like how I was going to pay for it at all, like no plan to like money literally just falling in my lap because I like stepped out on faith. So, and then within like six months of that, like I was on like ABC, like you know, you know, doing an interview about flying. And I was just like, God is good. That's wild, man. I don't remember you telling me that before. <sighs> I think I did. Maybe I didn't go into such deep. I don't think I went into as much detail, but I may have told you. I mean, I always tell that story. That's crazy. That's so cool that you, you kind of had that experience and that you just acted out on faith and, and it all seemed to work out from there. Yeah, man. Like life, I mean, life's definitely still hills and valleys, but I tend to focus on the the ups more. Right. What was, uh, so obviously you kind of have this whole interaction and, uh, and you feel like God is telling you to do this. Were you kind of feeling moved to just get your private? Do you still want to kind of go down the, the airline route? 
do you want to teach? Because like you said, you kind of have always wanted to, seems like you've always wanted to give back or help mentor or help be there for people. What route did you want to go down when you made that leap of faith and started flying? Um, I think I was, I still wanted to be an airline pilot, even though, uh, going through the airport management degree program that did kind of sway me away from wanting to be an airline pilot a little bit. Once I started like learning, you know, more about the industry, I didn't really want to do that as much, but at the same time, I, that was like the ultimate goal because that's just what I just always wanted to do was be an airline pilot, you know? Um, but throughout, you know, my experiences and just being exposed to different things, you know, like that has, has kind of changed a bit. Um, I would, you know, ultimately if I could have it my way, like I would have a flight school, you know, and just like teach people how to fly, you know, like that would be way more fulfilling and still be able to, um, like make money to like live and enjoy my life like another way. And just have flying as something I just enjoy doing. Like, I don't want it to become a job where it's like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, I got to go fly from JFK to some, you know, stupid airport somewhere that's boring. You know what I mean? So I just like not enjoy flying. I, I don't want it to get to I don't want it to get like that, you know, because I know people like that pi- airline pilots like that, where it's like it's just like a, a chore to fly, you know, so. What was it about, you said they kind of learned a lot about the industry. What was it about the industry that turned you off outside of um, maybe not wanting to feel like a job? Well, one of the things is like what we're experiencing right now. Um, I just, you know, one of the things I remember standing out to me was that the airline industry was, you know, dependent on the economy. And I really, you know, if the economy is doing well, the airline industry is doing well. The economy is doing bad. People are getting laid off, (laughs) you know. And, you know, um, I think that's one of the the biggest things that I remember right now um, since I graduated a few years ago that, um, um, you know, just kind of maybe not want to invest my whole life into, you know, becoming an airline pilot only to have like a lull in the in the economy. And now I'm getting like furloughed. So um, but when it's up, it's up, you know, absolutely. When it's up, it makes you forget about the lows. And when it's low, it makes you forget about the highs for sure. Exactly. What was, uh, all right, so you still kind of had a, a, a kind of an idea of maybe an airline pilot then when you're going through the training or is that completely ruled out? Because it sounded like there's like a maybe in there. No, it's, it's still maybe today, you know, like I'm just going to like work to, you know, just get as much, quali- as many qualifications as I can and just be ready to, you know, just be qualified for any opportunity that, that may or may not come my way, you know, that that may come my way. So what's next for you? What's next, like rating wise or flying wise? Is it still just kind of have fun with it? Or are you kind of, are you focused on uh, taking another leap and getting another rating? Yeah, I'm finally uh, like, you know, investing back into myself because honestly, since I got my private, I've really just been, I don't think I have more than like two hours of solo flight time, you know, like every other, you know, every flight that I've done or the 99% of the flights that I've done since I've gotten my private is just like, you know, taking other people and introducing them into flying. You know, I felt like that's like really what my purpose is. Like, that's what made me take like that leap of faith was to like try to expose as many people to flying as possible. So um, that's really just where I've been spending like most of my money. I probably could have had like two or three ratings by now by the amount of, with the amount of money that I spent just like taking people flying. Um, but now, and my friends give me a lot of crap about it. Like they always tell me like, man, you need to focus on yourself. Like you, like you help people way too much, you know? And, but I mean, that's just, this is what, who I am, you know? But, um, but yeah, so now, um, I'm, I'm like trying to focus on myself a little bit more and, and, you know, get my instrument rating. Or maybe just go straight into commercial. I'm, I'm studying for the the instrument written right now, but I'm still trying to debate on whether or not to just go to get a commercial and be like a jump pilot in the in the meantime, and then you know like you know work on all the other ratings like around that. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, it's an option. It's one to do. I will. 
Instruments hard. So it's one of those like if you skip your commercial and maybe you realize you don't want to be a airline pilot, you might keep coming up with excuses to not do it. I'm not saying you're making excuses now to do it, but it's one of those that like you can keep putting off and off and off. I recommend getting it <laughs> as soon as you can. Uh, it will definitely yeah. help you. I know like you want to go make money flying and you want to do that, but I think in the long run, getting your your instrument first will will definitely probably help you out. All right. Well, that's what I'm working on right now. So. I guess I'll just keep I'll just keep doing what I'm doing then. You're going after it, man. Instrument is a very important and it can help save your butt a lot. Even if you don't fly instrument a lot, just having those basic skills, finding yourself in a situation you don't necessarily want to find yourself in, it can definitely save your life. Yeah, and that's the funny thing about it is because all my like a lot of my friends are CFIs, so like they've always like flying with them, they've explained a lot of stuff to me. Like I can you know, read um, plates. I need to do that for work anyway, but um, approach plates and, you know, use the GPS to set up um, ILS approaches or whatever. Um, I, I mean, I can, I can do it, you know, but. Absolutely. It's like learning another language. You just got to put, it's like you said earlier, you just got to put the time in, like, don't be lazy. Ask yourself if you're really putting in the maximum amount of effort because it's tough and it's going to push you. Yeah, it was, a, it was a situation where, you know, I was flying VFR and, you know, these clouds came, I couldn't really see the airport. And the ATC asked me, like, can you take an instrument, you know, instrument, um, can you make an instrument approach? And I wanted to say yes, because I like, I had the knowledge. I just didn't have the qualification to do it, but I wasn't by myself. So, you know, I had, you know, like a guy from India, this guy lives in India, was in New York for like a week and we went flying. So it was like, all right, I'm not going to do that with this guy in the plane. So I just got closer to the airport and, and I was able to see, and I just landed VFR, but. And yeah, don't do an yeah. IFR approach unless you got the instrument for sure. That could, yeah, <laughs> could lead to some bad situations. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it, but in my mind, when he asked me like, can you do it? I wanted to say yes. Oh, you know, and that was, you, like, yeah. that was like the only, I wanted, he's, cause he said, can you do it? Not should you do it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> can you like, yes, I, I have the ability to, you know, yeah. But, um, but no, I shouldn't have done it, which is why I didn't do it. Good. Good you know? call. <laughs> and <laughs> definitely don't incriminate yourself on a podcast by saying you did it. If you ever do, do it no. in the future. <laughs> nah, nah. No, I, you know, I like to bend rules, but, you know, there's just some rules that, you know, just shouldn't be, you know, played with. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like an emergency where, you know, I just didn't have any other choice. So, um, it was definitely, I did the right thing by just landing VFR. So, um, well, it's tough because you get four, like aviation puts you in a box that you got to find yourself out of every once in a while. You're going to find yourself in a situation where you don't feel comfortable and you got to kind of ask yourself questions like, what am I going to do to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? You know, your plan A turned into a plan B, which turned into a plan C, which now you're on plan D. So it's like, you got to get creative sometimes. And good thing was you're able to find a hole and you're able to get in and, and land. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So talk a little yeah. bit about, you mentioned briefly, you said that six months after you started your training, you were getting interviewed by ABC. What were you being interviewed by ABC for? Um, yeah, there was, I was at a party and, you know, it was just like a bunch of professionals, um, like young adults. And, uh, there's this guy who was there that I met at the party and we just started talking and, you know, he was telling me about himself and you know, I was telling him about what, you know, what I was doing in terms of like flying and stuff like that. And he thought it was pretty cool. So he took my information, you know, and about a month and a half later, uh, he like saw me like flying with some kids on Instagram and he had just gotten this new job at ABC and he just thought it would be great for me to be on the show. And yeah, he reached out and that's what happened. That's <laughs> literally just like that. That's awesome. What they talk to you about? Just kind of about uh, giving back to kids and getting more kids in aviation. Yeah, it was uh, this show. It was called More in Common, and uh, it was basically supposed to be, you know, the show is basically about people from different walks of life who have um, like a commonality, you know. And for me, it was it was aviation. So. 
That's cool. I mean, like we talked about earlier, we need more diversity here, but we do have some diversity and there's a lot of people with different kind of experiences that can call, can find aviation. I mean, think about it. If we, if you go to a bar and you say something about aviation, you can find one person there and they'll talk to you forever. Cause like, dude, I'm a pilot too, you know? Yeah. So it can definitely, it has the power to bring communities, people together. So that's awesome that you're able to use it. I mean, that's kind of what sparked the conversation because I had on an aviation related shirt and he just like asked me about it. And that's that's kind of what like sparked the conversation. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, favorite part about your training when you were flying? Was it your first time you ever took off and you kind of look left, look right? And you're like, dude, this is sweet. I'm actually flying a plane. Was it solo, cross country? What did you love most about your training? Yeah, the my my most exciting part was definitely my solo um because like i said i started in college you know i I literally like made it to the solo and then semester ended and um then i didn't fly for two years and started my training again and you know it was going smooth you know i had had those you know ups and downs with like money running out but it was i always had more money on time so that was fine but the the best part was, you know, my instructor getting out of the plane and me taxiing, you know, to the um the, the end of the runway and um well the run up area and I'm like I'm really in this plane by myself I'm really here like there's there's nobody here I was smiling so hard that I feel like the ends of my mouth the corners of my mouth were touching my ears like that's that's how hard I was cheesing couldn't believe it what was the hardest part for you in your training. Other than the the obstacles, kind of like the start and stop, what was the hardest part? Uh, definitely learning how to land. Um, that took like the most like effort. Like I just wasn't getting that sight picture down like perfectly, and um, I think I was like flaring too high, you know. And yeah, just that that sight picture. But really, all it took was was for like one of my friends who I started in college with. Um, this kid is like 20, you know, 21 years old already at the airlines. And he was just like one of like the best pilots I ever met. And yeah, he just took me to another airport and just explained it to me, like, you know, outside of like where I was used to. And I, it just clicked just like that, like instantly. Sometimes you got to get yourself out of what your normal learning experience is to actually understand something. You know, it's good to get a second opinion. It's good to get another instructor every once in a while. Maybe if you guys kind of hit uh, an impasse in the road and you guys can't understand or you can't understand what he's trying to say. So that sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, there was a whole different animal like landing at night. Like <laughs> then the struggle started all over again. <laughs> landing at night's definitely a different side picture. That's for sure. Yeah, for real. So was it easier for you to land at night than at first since you kind of already had it? Or do you think it was even harder to land at night? No, it was definitely harder. I was like flaring at like 50 feet. Yeah. <laughs> like, thought you were flying to 747? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was, that was so high. But I thought I was like on the ground, you know? That's funny. Well, I'm guessing you learned, so that's good, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good now. Uh, if you could, so it's kind of like 10 years from now, uh, your your dream future. Would it be maybe being a pilot at United American Delta or would it be kind of owning your own flight school, being able to give back to kids, you know, having a program, maybe having a foundation of your own where you are, are getting more kids in aviation? Yeah. So one thing definitely I want to, even if I'm not there all the time where I want to have a flight school or, you know, be partnered with a flight school, like that's, you know, focused on really like getting you know, people, their pilot's licenses. And, but like personally, like I would love to like just get paid to like travel and fly and skydive and do like adventurous stuff. Like I'm really like working on, um, trying to have like an adventure, like a travel and adventure, like TV show. Um, that's what I'm, you know, to incorporate everything that I like doing, you know, cause one of the things that I really want to do is like really not, I don't want, the way that I make money to feel like a job, you know, like I really want to enjoy my life. Like people, uh, they work so hard, you know, to get to this, you know, retirement age and then, you know, get to live the last 15 years of their life. You know, like I want to live and enjoy life doing the things I love doing, like as much as possible, you know, which is traveling, flying, skydiving, and just like anything adventurous, you know? 
So if I can, you know, do it on TV, like that'll be fun. You know, that's really what I want to do. What's the next step to getting you there? What are you doing to, to make that become a reality? Oh man, there's 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 some things happening right now, All but right. it's not in it's not set in stone. And that's awesome. So I, don't, I don't really want to talk about it too much, just because you know I'm gonna say it and then it doesn't happen, and then I gotta like figure it out after that. So, um, but I'm just trying to like like I said, like use you know like Instagram and um, things like that to like just get out there. That's awesome. I mean, that's what Instagram's for. Get out there, get yourself out there, create a brand, be your own brand. You are your own brand. You're your, you are your own CEO in aviation as well. So, I mean, you are the only one that's going to get your career out there. And you've kind of mentioned that before. And I mean, you took some faith and you had to, your family help you out. But it come, we talked about this earlier. It comes to you to get to where you want to get in this career, whether that's being a professional pilot, whether it's being a private pilot, whether it's going to a four-year school to get your degree to become a pilot. Like You have to eventually say, yes, I want this and go after it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like my, my plans, you know, like as I, you know, get exposed to more and I myself learn about more opportunities, like sometimes, you know, where I want to go, um, changes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on a journey myself, you know, like I don't have like the end goal, like figured out, you know, I know like I need to do these things to get, you know, to where I want to go, wherever that may be, I need to do these things. And that's just where I'm at right now. I'm just like on the journey to like an unknown destination, you know? Yeah. So, um, you figured just, it out I'm, a long I'm, way, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm figuring it out along the way, <laughs> you know? So what are you doing? I know you mentioned earlier you were in the Marines for a little bit, but now you're in the air force, right? Yeah. I'm in the air force reserves. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm studying, I'm in school to be a flight engineer on C5s. So, um, I have a night aerial refuel, um, mission tomorrow to get like a, a training sign off done. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's awesome. What made you want to rejoin the military? I feel like a lot of people when they join the military the first time and don't stay the whole time, they're kind of like, ah, nope, I'm done. But what was it that made you want to go back? You know, I was done. Like I had no intentions of going back into the military, but during the the couple years that I was out, um, I realized that when I got pulled over, it was a little bit different <laughs> from when I was in when I was in the military, and I had a, a you know I had that military ID because it it definitely saved me a lot, you know. And, um, yeah, just I just didn't really feel too comfortable, you know, like not having it. So, um, but that wasn't like the main reason I went back in. It, it was one of the factors, but the reason that, but what actually got me to really do it was there was a girl that I tried to put in the Marines when I was a recruiter. Um, it didn't work out for her. So she ended up going to the Air National Guard. And, you know, however many years later, like she remembered that I said, you know, just in like getting to know her through the interview process, you know, I was telling her that I, you know, there was a time that I wanted to be like air crew, but it didn't work out for me when I was in the Marines. And she remembered that. And she told me that there was an, an opening at her base to be a load master on C-17s. And I was looking into that. It didn't work out. They said they didn't have any more spots. And I just called the reserves. And yeah, and, and the reserves had spots. So I went there instead. What's your ultimate goal in the reserves? Is it to maybe fly for them? Because is there a possibility for you to transfer over and uh, actually fly? Um, there was. I mean, that was the goal, and um, I I definitely expressed that um when I was joining, and once again, you know, it was one of those things like um uh it it was just it was just wasn't like you know what I expected to hear. Um, yeah, I I did get like some pushback about it. And even though I had like a pilot's like a pilot's license and a degree, it was still kind of like, eh, you know, why don't you do this instead kind of thing. And I, I just didn't feel like arguing or just feel like fighting. So I just was like, all right, this is cool too. So I'll just do it and I'll just fly like on my own, you know. But my goal, I did ultimately want to be a pilot and fly for them, you know. If you knowing what you know now that they necessarily wasn't going to work out for you to actually fly, would you still join? Um, yeah, 
because I'm, I mean, I'm still enjoying it and I'm, I'm still getting to, you know, be air crew and travel and well, Corona's kind of messing it up, the travel part up a little bit, but, um, it'll fix itself and then we'll, you know, be on trips again, you know? So yeah, I would still do it. I would still do it, especially as a reservist because it's not my whole life. It's like a part-time thing. So how much time do you put in to be a reserve, especially now that you're in training? Well, right now that I'm in training, it's full time. It's, it's it's like, it's like my full time, um, like job right now. And I have like two years of training left. So once I get done with these two years of training, then I go back to like being a traditional, uh, one week in a month reservist. It's not too bad. Go out for a month or one week in a month and, uh, until you get caught out to go to war. <laughs> Um, well, for my, uh, job, you know, we don't really go to war, you know, if any, if anything, we'll just carry some like supplies, you know, out there, but we're not really in, you know, a lot of danger, you know, you're, you're never completely safe, but, um, yeah, we're not really like in the, the, the heat of it, you know, we're just like a, just, like, a lot of support stuff, like cargo type stuff. Gotcha. So you're going to try to fly on the side as well. Like you said, you're studying for instrument right now. You're going to try to pick up instrument rating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to take all the mental bandwidth that I have because this program, um, for the air force is, it's not easy. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of studying, you know, it's a lot. It's, you know, I'm on the biggest airplane that the air force has, you know, and the engineer is supposed to like literally know everything about the plane for the most part. So, um, it's, it's very overwhelming at times, but I mean, I've, I've made it this far, so I'm going to finish and still, still find the time to study for this insurance stuff. Get shepherd air after you get a, a good understanding of it for the written, get shepherd air. And, uh, you'll be good to go. No, that's actually what I'm using right now is shepherd air. So, um, yeah, once I get, once we get off the, this phone, I'm going to use my computer that I'm on right now and finish studying. That's awesome. What uh, what's your experience been like as a flight engineer so far? Has it been like you said? It's the biggest airplane you ever been on. It's the biggest airplane the Air Force has. There's a lot going on. Yeah, honestly, it was a, it was a struggle at first, just because I was a little salty that I was, you know, um, going through the training to be an engineer and not a pilot. But um, you know, I kind of just had this come to Jesus moment where. You know, we're, you know, we all are in our appointed place and time in our lives where we're supposed to be there, you know, and I kind of just had, you know, just had this realization that, um, that I was right where I was supposed to be and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing in this moment. Um, and once I, you know, had that understanding, then my whole like mindset about it changed and it started to get easier. I started to get like more excited about studying and, um, and now I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well now. So, um, that's, a, that's hard to do. It's a, it's a hard mindset to get yourself in. You know, once you're upset, once you're sad about something, it's hard to overcome that and it's hard to recover from it. So it's definitely something that can make your, your current job more enjoyable by finally being like, all right, I'm supposed to be here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And like you said, now you're enjoying it more. You're like, all right, you can kind of understand why, what things are going on, but it still hurts. And, but it's, it's really hard to get out of that kind of negative mindset. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard. There was a time in my life where I just felt I was really negative about everything. And I didn't feel like I was being negative. I just felt like I was calling things, you know, I was calling a spade a spade. Like I was seeing a situation and just calling it what it was, you know? And, you know, one person told me like, man, you're so negative. Then two people told me like, man, you're so negative. And I was like, well, all right, clearly, you know, I'm the problem here. And I just had to like, you know, do some self-reflection and realize like, yes, it is a shitty situation, but instead of like pointing out the shittiness of the situation, just try to find like a way to make it positive. And I just really, once I started doing that, like, you know, my life has been like a hundred times better, you know, just trying to find, you know, like the good in the bad, you know, that's hard to do, especially when you feel like it's you've been wronged hard. or you can kind of take, it's hard to take, kind of the personal feelings out of certain situations. Like, oh, this guy screwed me over. This girl screwed me over. It's hard to remove yourself from the situation and kind of uh, just get the overall picture of what's going on. Yeah. 
you know, so it's, it's hard and it, it didn't happen overnight, like the ability to do that. And a lot of people, you know, they can't look in the mirror, you know, like it's, it's hard to like look in the mirror and say like, you're jacked up, you know, and fix it. Yeah. I mean, when you got one, two, three, four people coming up to you saying you're negative, it's like every once in a while I'd be like, well, maybe I'm the issue. You know, it's like, maybe I should change something. Yeah. Cause at first I didn't feel like that. I felt like, are you crazy? Are you blind? Like you see, like this is not a good situation. Like how am I the how am I the wrong here? You know, and but yeah, once you know, one two unrelated people, you know, tell you the same exact thing about yourself. It's well, you know, well maybe they're not wrong. Absolutely, you know, that's yeah. And it's not saying that you're you're in the wrong as well. It's just don't harp on it. You know, find the good, find something good. Like be positive. Just, it, but yeah, it's tough, and it's definitely a situation that not everyone is doing what you're doing now. Some people just mope it out the whole time. I might be moping it out too. So I, I mean, give you all the the props in the world. No pun intended for for airplanes, but give you all the props <laughs> in the world, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And that, and that's kind of just what I try to do now. Is like I think I'm very like transparent with like myself, and like I really like want like my life, you know, to to be like an inspiration to others, you know, um, let's get that like TV show and make it happen. Bruh. <laughs> fingers crossed. I'm waiting. I'm just, cool. I'm, fingers crossed. That's awesome, man. <laughs> you know, well, I got some uh, rapid fire questions for you. We've been talking for about almost an hour now. It goes by fast, man. Um, um, I got some rapid fire questions for you. You just say the first thing that comes to mind. All right. I hate these things. <laughs> wow, that's good. Oh, that there, there, there I go being negative again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come I on, love, man. I, we just talked about that. I love, oh, I, I love these things. <laughs> I love it. All right, here you go. go. What's your favorite airplane? Uh, my favorite airplane, uh, a Cirrus, Cirrus SR-22. Cool. What's your favorite airliner if you have one? Uh, you know, I don't really have one, but... Uh, I like the Airbuses. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Who in the industry would you like to meet most? Could be someone on social media. It could be like a famous pilot from back in the day, or it could just be like someone that you just followed and you want to know. Um, in the aviation industry that I want to know that I would, that I would, that I would just like to meet. Yeah. Have a beer, eat some food with, go on, go flying with. Oh man. You know what? I haven't met you yet in person. I, I would like to meet you. And go All right. with you. Let's do it, man. We got to make it happen. <laughs> All right. I can't tell we'll if see. you're just sucking up to me because you know you're on the podcast, but, but I appreciate no. it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not, man. <laughs> yeah, you'll never know. <laughs> no, that's not, no, that's legit, man. Yeah. Like we, we were supposed to come meet up in, in when you're in San Antonio and I don't right. know what happened. I don't remember what happened either. I think I was just there for, I think my, my plans changed and I got airlined out too quick. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, I don't remember the situation, yeah. but um, yeah, I was really looking forward to you know meeting you that day. And yeah, it let's make it happen, out. man. We gotta make it happen. So. I got another one here for you. What is your overall favorite thing about aviation? My overall favorite thing about aviation is freedom. Like I love the freedom that comes with it. You know, it makes you know how small it's made the world, how accessible it's you know made travel. Um, like that's, that's definitely like what I love the most that, you know, the freedom that I get that I have to be able to wake up, you know, in, um, Massachusetts today and be, you know, on the other side of the world, depending on the day, you know, so, and, and, and possibly come back home in the same day, you know, <laughs> what's your favorite airport you've ever landed at? my favorite airport that I've ever landed at. Um, I would say, yeah, uh, ocean, either ocean city, Maryland or Montauk in New York. Any reason why just pretty or just, uh, just cool. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just the views, man. Like the views is, you know, like really nice coming in there. Do you have a least favorite airport you've ever landed at? Uh, no, man. Any any airport that I landed in and can walk away from, is I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, let's say you're connecting. You're going traveling. You got a connecting flight, though. You got to stop in, I don't know, Atlanta, Miami, or whatever. You're going to Carnival, wherever you want to go. Um, what is your go-to airport food? What are you getting? Uh, Starbucks. All right. I see you. 
Just like a black coffee or you like the food there? No, I get um, uh, caramel macchiatos. Iced caramel macchiatos with whipped cream. <laughs> it's like a milkshake. <laughs> uh, but lately, I've been more of a Dunkin' Donuts guy, you know. But in the airport, definitely. Uh, Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah. I respect it. I respect it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, or the city? Uh, beaches. Beaches for sure. Um, it's, you know, in case of engine failure, and the, out of those three uh, that you just, you know, suggested, uh, the, that's like the, the, the best out is a beach. <laughs> You're not wrong. I have uh, lost my engine over the mountains and that was not fun. Not at all. Um, and even though I have like, you know, thought about it being cool to have a nice highway that I could land on, you know, if I ever had a, a failure to make a cool video, you know, granted. <laughs> I, yeah, it was Let's hope we never one. watch that video. Exactly. You know, but. I've thought about it before. I've well, you got to be thinking about the worst case scenario when you're flying. I think that's only that most good pilots do. Yeah. I'd always kind of have an out. Happened. Yeah. Oh, you already answered this. Airbus or Boeing? You said you like Airbus, so we'll go with that. Um, favorite airline paint scheme? Do you have one? Like United American, uh, old school, new school? Do you have a favorite one? Uh, Delta. I like the Delta. I like how uh, you know it says Delta at the bottom of the plane. Oh, that's pretty up. cool. Yeah. Would you rather fly long trips? So let's say you're in a 172 flying a four hour trip, or would you rather have like uh, 10 touch and goes on a day? Uh, definitely 10 touch and goes. Like, I hate being in a 172 for more than like two hours <laughs> at a time. Fair enough. It's Just wait till you start flying for like six hours. I mean, I mean, I'll do it, but oh, yeah. you know, if I, you know, I like, I'll take it off and landing is the most exciting part about flying anyway. Yeah, you're not wrong. Would you rather fly a Piper or Cessna? Ooh, uh, depends on what I'm doing. Uh, cross country or just like I enjoy Cessnas um, just for the, you know, because it gives you, you know, a better view. So um, Pipers make me feel like I'm in a real airplane, but <laughs> Cessnas, I'll choose Cessna just because of the views, just because of the view. And, you know, I don't have to like remember to change my, uh, my fuel tank every 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That would suck, right? Don't forget to do that. <laughs> you know, I've forgotten before. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn real quick. Never, never do that again, right? Yeah. What, uh, what was the hardest part about your private pilot check ride? Um, honestly, it went pretty smoothly. Like, it was, I can't even remember anything being hard about it. I think, um, yeah, because I was just like so ready for it. It wasn't even funny. However, uh, when um, we were going to like simulating going to another airport and I had to put in the VOR, the VOR was taking me the wrong way, even though I knew, you know, the airport was in a different direction. And I just followed the VFR, the VOR because I had never like experienced, you know, a malfunctioning VOR before. And DPE is like, Where's the airport? And I said over there. And he said, "Why are you going this way?" So this is where the VR, this is where the VR is taking me. And uh, he said, "Well, if you know the airport's that way, why are you going this way?" And he said, "Well, there's, well, there's two VORs, so maybe you should try the other one." And I think that was like, you know, I tried the other one, and then it worked. But uh, then it took me in the right direction. But uh, it was, I was—I kind of felt stupid in that moment, but. It's good that he was able to to have kind of have that as a teaching moment, you know, because when you're when you're new to flying, you haven't really seen a bunch of failures. You're just like, all right, well, I'm following the VOR. I'm doing a VOR approach. It's all I know I need to do. But, you know, when you get that experience and you learn that sometimes VOR, VORs can make you do the wrong thing or they fail and you start following them and it takes you away. You know, you only learn by these experiences. So it's good that he was like, all right, this kid knows what he's doing. I'm going to go ahead and make this a teaching experience because a check ride can be a teaching experience. They can teach you something and you cannot fail. And you're not the only one that's ever had that happen. So, I mean, I think that's a, a good part on his, that's good on his part to, to consider that a teaching moment and show you like, hey, well, just think about it. Like that's deep. If the airport's there, you're going the opposite way. <laughs> maybe we should, maybe something's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I was like going the opposite way. I was maybe going about 50 degrees in the wrong direction. But in my mind, all right, that's cool. I know the airport's this way. But what if I'd never been to that airport before? Then I wouldn't necessarily know I was going the wrong way. So 
All right, last rapid fire question. What is the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? If you have one. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's like this piece of crap Cessna 152 that was at an airport one time. Uh, I took my rig to uh, get repacked. And, you know, instead of like driving, you know, two and a half hours of 30 minutes. And, uh, yeah, at that airport, there was a, like a really piece of shit. One, one, one fifty two that was there. <laughs> Fair enough. Poor 152. Just need some tender love and care. Yeah. It was ugly. I couldn't <laughs> believe he, so, you know, it was flying. Oh, wow. Yeah. You see those every <laughs> once in a while. That's for sure. Well, Jerome, those are all of the rapid fire questions for you. Uh, the only question I have left for you is, Let's just say someone's messaging you. They're like, hey, man, you're a real inspiration. What's kind of three tips that you would give them to, to get into this industry? You know, obviously, you can kind of warn them about the, the airline industry and how it's not the best. But what, what's some advice that you would give them right now about getting into aviation? They want to be a pilot, not necessarily airline pilot, just a pilot in general. Um, definitely do their research. Um, figure out, you know, what type of pilot they want to be. Um, you know, research different different uh, flight schools, find out what the average cost, you know, per hour of, um, you know, flight training is. Um, definitely don't pay for all your training up front. And, you know, when times get hard, you know, if, you know, you, they do experience any, like, you know, rough times to, you know, just remind themselves of why they started in the first place. It's very true. I used to have to remind myself all the time when things got hard. It's like, just remember the feeling you had when you went solo, you flew the first time, how much fun and how you just couldn't stop talking about it. It's like, that is still in this industry. That is still in this career. And it's still something that you can do that we can all do. So just hold on to that kind of childhood love you had of aviation and it will carry you through to have a, a pretty good career. Definitely. All right, man. Definitely. Well, Jerome, those are all the questions I have for you, man. I appreciate you coming on the Pilot the Pilot podcast. You are an inspiration to a lot of people, and I hope you get everything that you are are aiming for. You got some big goals, and I hope that uh, to watch you on the Discovery Channel, MTV, whatever it may be, doing some crazy things. So uh, you got a big career out of you, man. So uh, keep doing your thing and uh, keep trusting that it's going to work out. Appreciate it, man. You know, one of my biggest dreams, man, is, just, you know, is to fly with you one day. So, you know. Maybe we can make it on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fingers crossed. <laughs> you can jump out of the plane and I'll keep flying it. <laughs> yeah. Just hope hopefully your uh your slow your slow flight is is on point. I don't know how slow you can get and and that's what is it? Citation flight? Yeah, citation ladder. It gets pretty slow, but not that slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how slow you can get in that thing. So. Yeah, I don't know if you want to trust that. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's always fun talking to you. We got to meet up in person sometime, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's wherever you're at. We will make it happen. We'll go flying and we'll have some fun. But Jerome, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, man. Anytime. Aviation, that is a wrap of episode 132 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, like I said earlier, please leave us a review and follow us on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. Big video coming out tomorrow. I actually took the time to edit it and try to look at and try to get it to look pretty nice. So I'm excited about it. Uh, check it out. Share it with your friends. Let everyone know that Pilot the Pilot YouTube is the best aviation YouTube there is. <laughs> Aviation, I hope you all are having a great day. And as always, happy flying.